MSW Media. News was swearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello, and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, August 13th, 2019. Today, the Dayton shooter's friend is charged. Trump targets legal immigrants, a Russian nuclear accident, Bill Barr admits serious irregularities at the prison where Epstein died, and the Mooch feud. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Amanda Reeder. Hello. So, yes, I have Amanda Reeder with me in the studio. Um, Jaleesa and Jordan are out today, so I wanted to introduce today's co-host, Amanda. She's a she's an immigrant from Canada joining us. Um Comedian, wife of our creative director, and all-around fabulous person. Uh, welcome, Amanda. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I am excited to have you. And we also want to wish Jalisa the best. Um, she is moving, I think, at the end of this week to Seattle to be with her girlfriend, which is awesome. And uh, she's going to go full-time, Rachel Maddow. Uh, and that's her podcast that she does. And it's a really great podcast. You should check it out. So we're super excited, off and up to bigger and better things for Jaleesa. So we will miss you. Hopefully, maybe she'll be dropping in. I don't know. She, I, you know, maybe a couple times this week. We'll see. Um, but if not, you know, we wish her the very best. And uh, we hope that uh, Rachel Maddow takes off. And I think it already has. It's doing really well. You listen to it, right? Yeah, it's a it's a good show. And she's very funny. And you should absolutely support her uh, new endeavor. Dude, yeah. Like a joke a minute coming out of her mouth. We're going to miss her sorely on uh, the Daily Beans and Muller She Wrote. So thank you again, Jalisa. And we will, I think, have Jordan on tomorrow. So check that out. But anyway... We are now excited to have Amanda joining us today. Uh, I do have, before we get started, uh, you're going to laugh at me. I have a big correction from yesterday's beans uh, that I can't let go for a whole week because we usually don't do corrections until the main Mueller She Wrote episode. But uh, I said, everybody watch that I bet Labor Secretary Alex Acosta is going to resign, put some beans on it. Uh, but he already resigned back in July. So <laughs> I, I, I knew that we reported it. Uh, I just I guess I can't keep that was the that was the nine millionth piece of information in my brain. And I think I put one more piece of information in my brain and that one fell out. That was too many. Yeah. So that's the bucket theory. I'm going to I'm sticking to it. Uh, so I apologize for that. But he's gone. I can't keep up with the revolving door that is the Trump administration anyway. So thanks um, for letting us know whoever sent that in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we appreciate that. I did get a tweet like, um, is he resigning from some other position I'm unaware of? <laughs> I was like, oh, he's shit. already gone. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> we totally forgot. <laughs> oh, that's Oof. how memorable he is. So. Uh, but we, we, we'll talk about uh, Epstein a little bit later in the show because there's some other things going on uh, this week with uh, Bill Barr and I think the FBI is combing the island now, the private island, whore island, I guess. I don't want to call it that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's victim blaming. Uh, I just like the anchorman uh, quote, but uh, sorry about that. Anyway, we have a lot of news today. We so support sex workers on this podcast. <laughs> absolutely, 100% legal, safe sex work. So we do have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, let's start out with former Obama White House counsel turned lobbyist, two first names, Greg Craig. His jury selection was today. And while Mueller's investigation is over, it is alive and kicking in the courts, just as Judge Jackson reminded the potential jury pool that they'd be hearing about and from the likes of folks like Manafort and Rick Gates. 
because they were involved with the with Greg Craig in the Skadden Arps lobbying for Ukraine. They were lobbying on behalf of Yanukovych against Tymoshenko, and they put together that report. And that's why Vanderswan went to jail. Um, and Vanderswan, as we know, uh, son of his father-in-law worked at Alpha Bank, and then of course Manafort lived in Trump Tower. And right as things started getting going with Psy Group and Joel Zamel, that's when those communications with the Alpha Alpha Bank server started. And Vanderswan went to jail, and we deported him. So that he was involved in this too, um, along with a guy named Sager and Birnbaum. It's all connect the dots. It's insane. Uh, but Gates is expected to testify in this trial. Manafort is not, probably because he's totally not credible. Um, although Gates was found to be a not credible witness in the Manafort trial, uh, and they convicted him anyway. Um, but Manafort did arrange uh, the $4 million payment from Yanukovych to the Skadden Arps firm for Greg Craig's work that he lied about. And that's why he's in court this week. Um, Judge Jackson mentioned, yes, that Judge Jackson, she gets all the cases, uh, mentioned that the Mueller probe, uh, well, she mentioned it twice and then asked the jury if there's anything about the Mueller investigation that w- would prevent them from being objective. Do you love Mueller? Do you hate Mueller? Like, I wouldn't be able to be on this <laughs> jury. No, absolutely not. Um, she said her goal was to find people who do not already know anything about the case. So see, Daily Beans and Mueller, she wrote, fans, listening to us will get you out of jury duty. <laughs> if anything else, you can get on the stand and say, nah, I listen to Mueller, she wrote. I listen to the Daily Beans. I know who all these people are and they're all criming so anyway uh other names jurors were warned about were Mueller team members Dreben and Weissman and then other lobbyists that worked for Ukraine including Vin Weber Republican and Tony Podesta not the Podesta that ran Clinton's campaign different Tony Podesta lobbyist Democrat Uh, we thought he was going to be brought up on charges too but he was not uh the trial is set to begin Tuesday afternoon so we'll keep you posted on what happens there you can also follow Zoe Tillman on Twitter and uh, Klasfeld, Adam Klasfeld. They both have really good Twitter feeds on everything that's going on in the courts. So check them out. Also, sometimes we hear Trump and his supporters say they can't be racist because they're fine with legal immigrants. Well, apparently not anymore because we learned Monday of a new policy that would deny green cards and visas to immigrants who use public benefits. And all this is happening, uh, all this whole new rule is being rolled out as ICE is preparing more raids like the one last weekend at Mississippi at a Mississippi chicken processing plant. Mississippi chicken is hard to say. Uh, this new sweeping policy would allow Trump to deny permanent residency to immigrants who use or like or are likely to use public benefits such as SNAP, food stamps, or Medicaid. The policy, which will likely face legal challenges, swift legal challenges, will take effect in about two months, according to BuzzFeed News. Uh, unless a federal judge blocks it, which I think they probably will. This isn't new, though. The Immigration and Nationality Act has long allowed the government to reject granting residency to those who were determined to be a financial burden uh, to the United States. But what's new is that this rule would change the way the government decides if someone is a burden, uh, allowing officials to deny green cards to those who have used or will likely use SNAP benefits, that's food stamps, Section 8 housing vouchers, or most forms of Medicaid. We know more than 4 million non-citizens were in families receiving SNAP benefits uh, between 2014 and 2016. So this is interesting. Uh, This could affect you. (laughs) Sure could. Uh, I am a legal immigrant, and uh, this would could affect me in some way. I mean, it starts with this sort of thing, but, you know, what's next? Right. And, uh, you know, while you may or may not have been on SNAP or or gotten Medicaid, I I think I remember discussing with you that you actually use the exchange um, for from the Affordable Care Act yeah. to get health care. Correct. But that um, if they 
felt that you were likely in the future to use Section 8 housing vouchers or food stamps that they could deny you permanent residency. That's crazy. It is. And it feels like, you know, it feels like something that could be uh, uh, taken advantage of. You know, right now it doesn't include the Affordable Care Act, but it could in future. The other thing is, is that all of these people who are using these programs are ostensibly taxpaying residents. You know, they're paying into all of these programs and then being denied the right to stay because they would like to access the programs that they're paying into. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It would be like if I paid into Social Security my whole life and then somehow was denied Social Security. Um, Whether you're a legal immigrant or a naturalized citizen, I don't think should make a difference. And it's interesting that you say this could be one of those things that becomes a slippery slope mm-hmm. where they could maybe at some point turn the Affordable Care Act or, you know, that if you get subsidies for your uh, your health care through the exchange, that could be considered government assistance. I actually had been reading about something like that a few months ago. Um, I had been speaking to my wife, who is an American citizen, about this because I had I was reading about this this new policy sort of when it was still in its infancy before it was going to be applied. And uh, fortunately, you know, it's not currently affecting people who are on the Affordable Care Act, but it may in future. I, you know, I was reading about the possibilities of this being applied to people who use the Affordable Care Act as well. So it's sort of just uh, just an anti-immigrant policy. <laughs> There's no, you know, if we're if it's very difficult to to, you know, uh, start over in a new country, especially for a lot of these immigrants coming from, you know, uh, horrible conditions. And so for them to get here and then be punished for using programs that they're paying into is just cruel. Yeah. And and there's really no other way to look at it um, (laughs) other than just racist attacks. Um, I mean, like, why else would you be against legal immigration or why would you try to curb it that way? I'm sure that ACLU already has a lawsuit teed up. There's, I'm sure there's a bunch of people who they're immediately going to file this lawsuit. Um, so w- look out for those this week. I, I'm hoping a federal judge will block this from going into effect. Um, just, you know, it's also just more attacks on the poor, you know, whether, whether, whether you're an immigrant or whether you're an American citizen, it's just more attacks on the poor. Yeah. It's just a don't be poor policy. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be very popular with this administration. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it for you. Uh, also, Monday, the U.S. suspects that a new Russian nuclear missile missile called Skyfall exploded and killed seven Russians. According to the New York Times, an explosion emitting radiation occurred in uh, northern Russia last week during a test of a new nuclear-propelled cruise missile hailed by Putin as the centerpiece of Moscow's arms race with the United States. Uh, That's a terrifying statement. We're back in an arms race, apparently, um, which I'm sure is being helped uh, by the fact that Trump decided to pull out of the nuclear treaty uh, with Russia, saying they weren't meeting, you know, their their part of the deal. Um, Just like they were saying Iran didn't meet their part of the deal for the Iran nuclear deal. And then we found out that uh, when we pulled out of that agreement just recently, a couple of months ago, Trump went out on Twitter and said, aha, the, they have their, you know, centrifuging uranium, they're enriching uranium, and they've just now went above the threshold that was in the agreement, which means that they were following the agreement before it was torn up. So this is frightening to me. This is bringing back some Cold War memories. I don't know. You're not a Cold War kid. I was born in 1990. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, but you, you, I'm sure you've heard of the Cold War kids. 
Uh, I'm too old for that band. But <laughs> but, the, but the real Cold War kids, um, yeah, that's it's it's reminiscent of that. And when you know, I keep I keep going back to Mitt Romney in the Obama debates when he when asked what the biggest you know geopolitical challenge was of our time, and the, and Mitt Romney said Russia, and we all laughed at him. I I. <laughs> I don't know that that was uh, that was probably misplaced laughter. Mitt Romney seems like an old fever dream now. <laughs> I know, right? It seems like so long ago. It does. Yeah. Uh, all right. And uh, before we go on break, I want to tell you guys, a friend of the Dayton gunman, the, the shooter in Dayton, Ohio, bought and helped hide his body armor and 100-round drum from the shooter's parents. Uh, and he's been charged with lying on federal forms for purchasing and possessing weapons because uh, he was lying about his drug use. This is what he lied about on, on the federal forms uh, to get that 100-round drum and the body armor. Shockingly, uh, I was expecting, I, maybe I was generalizing different drugs and being like a methist or something. I don't know what else to call it. But they, you know, they said he was using hard drugs, pot, shrooms, and acid. Those were the drugs that he apparently had been using. Uh, and he said he was completely surprised at what had happened, uh, even though he bought these things for his friend. So I think that's weird. I feel like most potheads aren't particularly violent. So it's surprising that those were the substances, that those were the substances. Right. And people who microdose mushrooms or people who, you know, people take these drugs to combat anxiety and, and they work really, really well. We, we haven't seen a lot of uh, federal studies on them because they are still schedule one drugs. There's a big movement to get uh, for the FDA to approve therapeutic use of, of psychedelic mushrooms. So they're trying to, you know, legalize psilocybin in, in uh, very specific contexts and especially use them to help veterans or pe who have PTSD or people who suffer from depression. And so uh, it's interesting that these were the, you know, the drugs that he used considering their extremely positive uses and their benefit uh, to mental health for a lot of people. Yeah, and the specific thing that's stopping the VA from being able to prescribe or even discuss marijuana use or microdosing of psilocybin or anything like that, uh, or MDMA, <clears throat> is that because they're Schedule One drugs, uh, federally they're against the law. And so still marijuana is a Schedule One drug. It's weird. Um, it's wild considering how many states have legalized it recreationally. Yeah, but it's still federally Illegal. Yeah, exactly. And, and not just illegal, it's schedule effing one, like with heroin and fentanyl. Like, Have you heard about the TSA? Like a lot of people who work for the TSA coming out and saying, um, we're not actually looking for pot anymore. Like we're not, yeah. we don't have enough budget to look for that. And it's legal in a lot of places. So listen, it's federally illegal, but we're not really looking for it. Yeah. So it's sort of like the, the dissonance between the FDA and other parts of the federal government. They're like, we don't even want to enforce this anymore. Come on. We don't have, the, first of all, the budget. And why, right? So, yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, and I wish and I hope, and I think this movement you're talking about to decriminalize it isn't just to, they're not, they don't want to broadly legalize it. They just want to take it off Schedule 1 so that states can have more control and so that federally or the CDC or the VA can research these things or private universities, for example, not private, uh, public universities can, can research it, like with the VA in conjunction so that they can help alleviate PTS without totally. these, you know, uh, these harsher drugs that when combined with things like opioids, uh, you know, f to the uninformed can can lead to death. So it, I just was shocked by the, that those were the three drugs, although Absolutely. he's not the shooter. But like it's just it was just odd to me. That was an odd combo. 
Yeah, that is an absolutely an odd combo. But like you were just saying about, uh, you know, working with the VA and the government, I think it's a huge injustice that these sorts of substances are on Schedule 1 when we do have an opioid crisis and when there are less harmful substances, potentially less harmful substances available to help people and we're not allowed to study them or, you know, do any sort of academic research. I think it's a, a really huge injustice to, to veterans and to people who suffer from mental health problems. So hopefully that changes. Yeah, I, I concur 100%. And I mean, it's reminiscent of the CDC not being allowed to study gun violence uh, as a public health issue because that is blocked um, by our Congress, who was funded by the NRA. So, surprise. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I, am, I, I was not surprised. Were you surprised? I was, yeah. It was surprising for me moving from Canada. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, f- fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It, None of us here were, yeah. were surprised. It was a surprise to me when I moved here and learned how many things that you couldn't study in the U.S. Um, when our system is a little more designed for uh, preventative public health, if you will. Well, and there's a reason for that. Because yeah. when you have to pay for public health, preventive medicine is the best course. Exactly. Because you then have a healthier electorate. You have a healthier citizenry. And when you have a healthier citizenry, the cost of healthcare goes way down. So absolutely, it makes absolute sense. This happened in Cuba, but kind of by horrible accident because they had a famine, and everyone had in their cart. They had the gasoline embargo, so everyone had to walk in everywhere, and they couldn't eat. So they all uh, lost weight, and their health was great. And that was sort of their, I guess, maybe their way of that was their healthcare system. But then also, Cuba is completely one hundred percent government-run healthcare. It's one of the better healthcare systems in, in the world, but they had a this this sort of uh, I don't know serendipitous jumping off point with the fact that uh, people had to walk everywhere and there wasn't any gasoline and so the air was better and like it, it was just sort of this perfect storm of, of great health in Cuba. Not to say that famine leads to great health. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. Famine does not lead to great health. Do not quote her on that. Yes, it does not. Um, and uh, but you know, I mean, they they just had a hard time getting food to the island. I I would have to look up to see if it was like a. I think it was a legit famine. But that followed by that followed by that, it it led to this. Uh, and so yeah, it's it's very different here, obviously, in the United States. Mm. And so when you talk about preventive care being the focus in Canada, it just makes total sense. And if we had at least a Medicare option. Not saying you have to ban all private insurance companies, though I know a lot of the candidates for the, you know, the Democratic candidates want to ban private insurers or get rid of your workplace health insurance. Even just having a Medicare option to compete with the private health care companies, that's a free option for people who need it, who can't afford or don't want to pay for private health insurance. That makes it competitive. That makes these um, people get more... um, behind evidence-based medicine and preventive care. If there was Medicare for all, I would assume that as part of, you know, money-saving strategies that there would be a push for a lot more uh, preventative care and preventative research because it would save taxpayer money. That's what happens at the that's what happens at the VA yeah. because the VA is fully government funded. All the doctors work for the VA. It is the only fully government-run healthcare system we have in the United States. Uh, massive system, I should say, because I think Indian Health Services uh, is also. But um, that's their their focus because their focus isn't bottom line making money like a private health insurance insurance company. That's their bottom line is to make money. Uh, the VA, their bottom line is to save money. And so that's why, you know, if you, you know, for certain procedures, you have to go through these, you jump through these different hoops first, and you have to try physical therapy before you get the cortisone shot, and you have to get the cortisone shot before you get the shoulder replacement, because these are, 
steps that are based on evidence-based healthcare and evidence-based outcomes that work the best and are save the most money for the electorate and for the taxpayers. So that I can see where you would have been surprised when you got here and been like, what the hell is this? Uh, we took quite a journey with that segment, but uh, suffice to say, <laughs> suffice to say, take these substances off Schedule One, and also preventative health care is great. Yes, uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Ag from the Daily Beans, and today the show is brought to you by Care of. Care of is a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized for your specific health needs. You take a short quiz, answer the questions about your diet, lifestyle, fitness, and health goals, and Care of puts together a custom personalized plan just for you. You know how big we are about self-care here on the Daily Beans, so it's the perfect time to make your health and wellness a priority, and Care of makes it really easy. Care of has an amazing and fast online quiz that helps identify your nutritional needs by asking you about your diet and your health goals and your lifestyle choices. It makes it easy to know what vitamins and supplements you should be taking. Then they deliver the daily vitamin packs or your customized protein powder right to your door based on your recommendations. So you only take what you need for optimal wellness. And you can modify your subscription at any time when and if your needs change. And you know we care about sustainability here, and Care-of has individually wrapped vitamin packs made from compostable plant-based film. Just check out Care-of's website for tips on how to compost the packs. And they have vegan and vegetarian options to match your dietary needs. Uh, I went online, took the quiz. It was awesome, really easy to use, really easy to navigate the website. Told them how often I sleep, that I wanted to sleep better, I wanted my hair to grow faster. I told them my workout schedule, I told them I drank wine. Uh, and also that I, I'm on a paleo diet usually, and, and Care-of was able to recommend the perfect balance of vitamins and supplements to kind of, you know, fill all the gaps in my diet, and it was delivered right to my door. So for 25% off, 25% off your first Care-of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter Daily Beans. That's 25% off your first order by going to TakeCareOf.com and enter the Daily Beans. You'll be glad you did. All right, guys, welcome back. It's time for social media. Hashtag. All right, guys, there is a Twitter war today, <laughs> this week. Uh, started Monday. I actually started over the weekend between Donald Trump and his former 11-day White House communications director, Anthony Scaramucci. We now uh, use the term mooch as a, a system of measurement. So a mooch is 11 days. So, you know, if somebody asks, like, how long was, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the communications director? You can say, oh, she was there for like 96 mooches. Uh, so that's uh, that's actually not correct. The math is not correct on that. Anyway, because she would have been here for, gosh, three years. And that's, oh, maybe, no, not, not close. Too long. Anyway, too long. Uh, yeah, two days is too long with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh, so the mooch. It seems as though the mooch has abandoned Trump, saying he can't take his racist rhetoric anymore. And Trump is saying the mooch is a media whore that just wants attention. Mooch says uh, he no longer supports Trump as president. Somebody else should be at the top of the ticket for Republicans. He now joins the likes of other rats that have jumped ship, including Steve Bannon and Michael Cohen. And we do hear this a lot lately, don't we? I love the economy, but I can't take the racism. Or... I put up with the racism because the economy is doing so well. Have you have you heard this? Because it's just weird to me because the economy started doing well way before Trump got here. I don't believe that. <laughs> You're like, I've heard it. I disagree. I don't like it. I think it's basically just like, wow, it's so bad now that I look like an asshole if I don't stop supporting him. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought that at Pussy Tape, but and even before, I never, I didn't like him in the eighties. Uh, I saw him show up on an episode of Sex in the City, and I was like, get that fucking guy out of here. He, I'm, I'm reading. Even Samantha tweet. wouldn't have sex with him. No, that says a lot. That does. <laughs> she was an empowered slut. Yes, more power to her. Um, I'm just reading his tweets now, and he says, "What what took so long?" Yeah. And and I I I agree with that statement. Um, I'm happy that he's jumping ship. I'm happy that others are jumping ship. But um, I I think the, a lot of us knew that he was a racist and was going to do damage to the fabric of society before he was even elected. So the fact that it's you know three years later and um, he's just realizing this now. Um, (laughs) yeah I didn't quite get it either he posted this little picture of here's what it's like to be at the White House and they have this like a conveyor belt of dudes and one comes in wearing a MAGA hat looking great and then Trump is sitting in the middle there like like I love Lucy on the (laughs) on the conveyor belt and as the people come through he takes the hat off and and then as they are about to exit he there's a knife in their back and so I thought that was just a funny thing and then and then the mooch was like uh this is what it's like and i tweeted at him i was like hey when you're ready to become a democrat first of all what took you so long because I, I was one of the people that said what took you so long and he said those asking what took you so long you're right i tried to see the best in donald trump based on private interactions and select policy alignment <laughs> but his increasing racist rhetoric etc cetera, etc cetera. and i said hey dude when you're ready to become a democrat I'll be here to answer any questions you have. I'll give you a full tour of the deep state and I'll give you the password to the Clinton body count tracker on Google Drive. You just let me know and uh, I'll hook you up. He di- he didn't get back to me, but I thought that was pretty good. It says that he remained or that he is remaining a Republican. And I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's he, there's this old school, he's an old school dude, right? Yeah. And there's this, I mean, I'm, I think I might be older than him. I'm not sure. But there's this old thing where, where there were two parties in America. One was for big government, one was for small government. One was for regulation, one was for non-regulation. There are still uh, Republicans out there who I would now call centrist Democrats who want smaller government, they want leaner government, and you know they want um, fewer regulations uh, in our country. And so that, I think, is where he still wants to be a Republican. But that Republican Party doesn't even exist anymore because they're not fiscally responsible. They, there's a trillion-dollar deficit because of the tax cuts. Um, that moved uh, just billions of dollars from from the middle class to to the wealthy, and and it's just I don't even understand how there, I don't feel like there's any enough left of the Republican Party to grab onto. I think you got to go with Joe Biden, or uh, and, and no no offense to Joe Biden, he's a great man. He's been in public service for a long time, but these centrist Democrats, I feel I feel the whole country shifting to the left one, and whatever notch you were at before, you're now one notch to the left, and so. Those moderate Republicans are now centrist Democrats, or at least independents right in the middle. Yeah. What's left in the Republican Party that you're aligning yourself to? If you're continuing to give your support to the Republican Party, what is it that you support? You know, like, and honestly, at this point, you know, especially for someone who comes from a country with multiple parties, you're facing um, a continuing slide towards fascism or not. <laughs> it's sketch for sure. Yeah. <laughs> sketch or not. So continuing slide uh, towards fascism. Or yeah. Not. <laughs> I don't think I can fit that in the jingle. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great, but uh I, I would like Scaramucci and other uh people who are jumping the Trump ship to, you know, do something more than get on CNN and talk about how they're not supporting him anymore. Like do something else. In fact, use your intimate knowledge of Trump and his supporters to, I don't know, help us out of this situation. Yeah, that could be That'd good. That'd be great. I, I, like I say, 
we it's hard we, we shouldn't ask people to change and then give them a hard time when they do uh but um you know why not it's fun i i suppose but we should be welcoming we should be the tent party i think yes uh, please come and join us <laughs> I'm trying to fit this into the jingle. Um, Do you think he broke the law? It's time to play. Continuing slide into fascism or not. Nah. And it's just, I think it's just too, like one too many syllables. It might be just a few too many. <laughs> anyway, guys, head to Twitter. Tell us what you think with hashtag mooch. I would love to read your tweets. Tag us at the da- at Daily Beans Pod. That's it. Because the made it too many letters. Uh, and finally, guys, Attorney General Bill Barr um, said Monday that the Department of Justice has learned of a series of serious irregularities at the federal jail jail where where sex trafficker and rapist Jeffrey Epstein died. He didn't say rapist. I did. Uh, Saying the irregularities are, quote, deeply concerning and demand a thorough investigation. I was appalled. And indeed, the whole department was and frankly angry to learn of the MCC's failure to adequately secure the prisoner. Uh, Sure, dude. And. We all trust you to do a really great investigation. Uh huh. Um, I do not. I do not trust the Department of Justice under Barr. It's sad. Um, I think they've fallen from grace. But uh, I'll wait for the Office of the Inspector General report. So that's what I'm going to wait for. Thank you very much. Yeah, apparently he was not checked on for a couple hours before his death. And I was also, I was listening to NPR's first earlier and... Uh, apparently also his cellmate was not with him. Yeah, and we talked about this on, on the weekend shows yeah. um, because uh, on on this uh, yesterday morning's Daily Beans and, yeah. and Sunday's Mueller, she wrote, because protocol says that he had to be returned, uh, once he was taken off suicide watch, had to be returned to a cell with his cellmate, um, Tartaglione, uh, Nick, Nicholas, I call him Nicky, Nicky. And uh, Nikki the Fish, <laughs> that's from, um, that's not me being stereotypical. That is from a movie called My Blue Heaven. Um, Nikki the Fish, and uh, he's supposed to be returned there, and then he was also supposed to be checked on every 30 minutes. As you step it down, you start at 15, and then you go to 30 and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's obviously very bizarre um, that he wasn't checked on every 30 minutes that night, and that he was in the shoe by himself um, with stuff that you could probably fashion a noose out of. And nobody was checking on him. The unions are coming forward now and saying that uh, there's, they're at, operating at 70% capacity. These people are overworked. One of the guards had been on overtime working his fourth or fifth night of overtime in a row, et cetera, et cetera. So the union's out there trying to protect their their prison guards. But the, the Department of Prisons falls under Bill Barr. So don't let him try to trick you into thinking that he's not ultimately responsible for this because he is. For someone as rich and powerful as Epstein and considering all of the public attention on this case, you would think that he would be extremely carefully and thoroughly watched. Yeah, that's what that's what we were. That's what I'm saying. It's like he's the number one guy you watch. Yeah. And and, and again, I know you guys have talked about this on the shows for the last couple of days, but it just sort of continues to shock me the longer I mull it over and consider (laughs) the circumstances in which he died. Yeah. How did this happen? Yeah. Extremely sketch. Prisoner number one, you know, (laughs) number one dude. (laughs) That's the guy you watch. Uh, and, And for some reason, they weren't watching him. So. Uh, well, you know, obviously we'll keep you posted on this story as more unfolds, as I'm sure it will. The uh, We were say- mentioning earlier the FBI is now uh, swarming his private island um, looking for evidence. Uh, there have been several fires reported on that I- island in, in the last months since the reporting came out from Julie K. Brown in the Miami Herald last November. 
And so I don't know how much of that was lost. But uh, there were also in that tranche of documents that was released, um, one of the um, uh, victims said that uh, people had come and taken computers out uh, of the house, of the, the mansion in Florida. So... I'm sure there's a lot of evidence missing, but I'm sure there's a lot that's not. And they did get into a safe, and I'm 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 hoping that that's at least where some of the stuff that he kept on people was hidden. I'm curious too now uh, what happens with everyone who is connected to him as well in his absence. You know, everybody who is connected to him in any way, who aided him, who uh, who knew about this even over the years. How is it going to fall on them in the absence of being able to, you know? Uh, bring justice to the victims through him you know the fact that he's dead yeah and there's a lot of people saying uh in the department of justice that they that those co-conspirators should watch out and they're you know uh, they should have their hair on fire right now etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm paraphrasing but to say that is obviously really weird and so you'll notice our fantasy indictment league this week for for Merle, she wrote is full of potential co-conspirators for epstein because i think that there will be forthcoming charges you can put some beans on that uh, on his co-conspirators, uh, we'll see. I know that uh, Gislaine or G- Ghislaine, I think I think your name is pronounced Ghislaine. It's like a French name. You were saying Ghislaine, but Gis- I think it's Gislaine. Ghislaine. Okay. Um, she Maxwell. She's the daughter of uh, Maxwell, who was friends with Mogilevich. He's like one of the number one Russian mafia bosses, uh, <clears throat> and so she's going to be under like huge scrutiny right now, especially if you read all the stuff that came out in the documents about her. And there's got to be tons of evidence, uh, even if some of it were, were destroyed or removed. There's got to be tons of evidence um, that that connects her to these um, to trafficking. Yeah, to the, to the recruitment and to the trafficking. So I'm sure more is going to come out about that, and I'm definitely interested in watching how that all unfolds, mm-hmm. so that the victims can see some sort of justice. Yeah, and also so that we can have some faith in in the, the justice system. Yeah, in the legal process. Yeah, that was a big thing that. Uh, Judge Reggie Walton uh, cited uh, when he was talking about releasing some of the redacted Mueller report, uh, particularly the things that were the the black bars over the reasons why like Kushner wasn't uh, prosecuted or or why uh, Junior wasn't prosecuted, not in the for the Trump Tower meeting, but for other things for lying to Congress, for lying to him, for lying to the grand jury. There's redacted stuff that says why they weren't prosecuted. And the judge cited the reason he's saying we should unredact these things. We should release these things, at least these things to the public, not the grand jury material and not the uh, harm to an ongoing matter material. But we we should release that to the public because this happened in the Epstein case. They obfuscated the you know, what happened. And that and it turned out to be a miscarriage of justice uh, with the Acosta deal uh, who resigned. And um by the way, he resigned. Uh, he's not he's not the labor secretary anymore. Uh, and so we, that's, you know, what makes people lose faith in in the in the justice system. So he, he, he brought that up. He cited the Epstein case as part of this. And you're right. It has to it, we need it all out in the open. It needs to be transparent. Wasn't it also true um, uh, when he was originally prosecuted? Was it back in 2008? Um, wasn't it true that when he got his kind of sweetheart deal, his very lax prison sentence, that the victims and that the uh, the people who had taken him to trial, they weren't aware? Yeah. And that's that? why a federal judge said that the, that that yeah, exactly. that agreement broke the law. And that's yeah. why they're under investigation. Probably why um, one of the prosecutors uh, and and Acosta both resigned for being under investigation for making that deal is because under the Victims Rights Act, you have to tell the victims if you're if you're putting together a deal. And their reason for not telling them was really weird. They said, well, we didn't want to tell them because Epstein was going to choose and pay for their attorneys in civil suits. 
And we didn't want them to have that knowledge because then people wouldn't take them that would, you know, take a stab at their credibility as witnesses because their legal fees and, and stuff were being paid for by the by the defendant. And so it, it was just a, the oddest thing. And that that is the addendum that was made to the agreement after he met after um, uh, Epstein's lawyer met or Acosta met with Epstein's lawyer. Um, not before, because uh, that was one of Acosta's when he resigned. That was one of his defenses. He's like, we already had the deal in place when uh, I met with Epstein's lawyer. And they did have mostly a deal in place, but not that part about not telling the victims. That's what that's the deal that was made over at that Marriott omelet breakfast bar, where the fuck they were. It's just nuts. And, and I hope they do everything they can to help us keep what little faith we have left in the justice system. But like I said, I'm waiting for the IG report. That's that's where my money's at. We will keep an eye. Yeah, and if it gets held back, I'm going to be really upset like they held back the New York FBI field office IG report, the one that may show that people like Giuliani, Eric Prince, and DeGeneva were threatening to leak um, the Wiener laptop, Hillary stuff, before uh, the election and Comey, try, and Comey, that's when Comey reopened it, to, to I thought I think, to get out ahead of it. But we'll see. All right. Well, guys, that is the show. That's how it goes. And uh, thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you back again soon. And Jordan will be here tomorrow. Uh, if you Do you have any final thoughts? No final thoughts. No, we're good. We wrapped it all up. Yeah, I. Uh, it was great. It was great uh, being on the show, and uh, hopefully, I will be back sometime soon to discuss. And uh, make sure you check out the Daily Beans Pod on Twitter. Yes, please do at Daily Beans Pod. We are there. Follow us. And oh, also, right now you can get these Daily Beans episodes through the Mueller She Wrote feed. Go and subscribe to it on its own feed. Look for it, search for it, subscribe for it on a, to it on its own feed because we're we're probably at some point soon going to be pulling these episodes out of the Mueller She Wrote main feed, and you'll want to not get an interruption in receiving the shows. So subscribe to it on its own feed and. Uh, if you're a pa- if you're a patron, you don't have to do anything because we'll keep posting the ad-free beans episodes for you, and we'll post them the night before they come out, so that you can have them, and they'll go automatically into your premium feed. So you don't have to do anything. And if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com/slash Muller She Wrote. You'll be a patron for both shows. We really appreciate it, guys. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I've been Ag. I've been Amanda Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is produced by AG, featuring Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our merchandising manager is Sarah Hirschberg of Valencia. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jaleesa Johnson, and Jordan Coburn, with executive assistance by Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>